When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each fall, people can't wait for us to brew our very first batch of Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Neither can we. Sam Adams Oktoberfest is everything you love about fall in one sip. With its unique blend of caramel roasted malts, it's sweet, smooth, and delicious. Savor this season with the fall favorite, Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Boston Beer Company, Boston Mass. Save responsibly. Away from Tigerland, a fighting fury. We're from Tigerland. In any weather, you will see us with a grin, risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win. For we're from Tigerland. G'day everybody and welcome to the 13th edition of Tiger Tragics and this week it's, we're talking about the top four Tigers. I'm Mitchell Scott, I say hello to Carl Bianco. G'day Mitchell, great to be with you again after a Tiger win. And uh, joining us on the line today, Tony the Shebexter Shebeki. G'day Shebex. Uh, hello boys, whoever said 13 was unlucky. <laughs> we like what it. A good, uh, what a good time to have our 13th show. The Tigers having a great win over the Giants. Our 11th win of the season, which pushed us up into uh, the top four. We'll go through the machinations of it all, uh, you know, because there, there was a bit of a different feel from one quarter to the next in the game. But I just want to start with a general feeling from you guys as to uh, how you, what that win actually means for the club uh, this season and also the context of, um, you know, potentially where we're going to end up at the end of the year and come September, where we might be playing and how. Well, for me, I think the win means that uh, we can definitely play in wet weather, which is good. So let's hope it absolutely pours down in September. How good are we in the wet weather? Yeah, well, I think, but I think where our difference was compared to them was they tried to finesse the ball still a lot in the wet weather, and it just doesn't work. Uh, Richmond's plan of just going long down the forward line, bring the ball down, little blokes cleaning up, I think worked pretty well, even though Jack had a shocker of a day. So that's one of the good things that I take out of that. The second good thing is that we had another bad start, a shocking first quarter again we were able to turn it around in the last uh, three which was nice to be able to turn it around and not just uh, fall into a slump like we did against St Kilda so still a couple of things to fix but uh, overall I think we are looking a lot better than we have in the last few weeks I just thought it was an extremely important win for the context of the season and that where we were possessing we were 10 wins we had we had Essendon and because yeah, we I'm, this is where I was, we're trying to think about that balance of where do we want to sit in the ladder? Do we need those teams around us to keep losing and and those above us to keep winning, or do we just want to keep winning and winning and winning and try and staying ahead of the pack? Is kind of the dilemma I've been having in my head. And for this, you had teams like Melbourne having a win and Essendon having a win and Sydney having a win, so they were coming for us. So in the context of the season, this was a really important win I felt because if, if we had a loss yesterday, we're suddenly still on ten wins and we're we're right back in the middle of that pack and you know what a loss next week or in a week, week after and we might find ourselves straight out of that eight there's only two games between uh, fourth and uh, 11th at the moment so percentage again means a lot so to have, have scrapped and found a way and, and to get the four points and to now be um, you know only half a game 
out of being, you know, pushing for that, pushing for top two, really. Mm. Um, I just thought it was hugely important for us. It keeps us clear of all that. It means we only have to win probably two of our last five to really qualify for the finals. I think 13's, you talk about 13, episode 13 today and how it might be a lucky number. I think 13's the lucky number to get you in and we're only two wins away from that with some very winnable games on the on the way home. Carl, what did you take out of it? I thought it was uh, scrappy in the first quarter. We didn't, don't know really what happened now. The umpires weren't helping our uh, cause by any means. I almost broke the uh, lounge room table. I was that annoyed. They were very, they were very whistle happy. I think it was something like twenty five free kicks in the first oh, quarter. Don't get me started. I mean, I've come to the defence of umpires before, and at the end of the day, we can't blame umpires. But I don't know what happened in that first quarter. It was atrocious. But with the free kicks there, though, I think that's the question you have to oh, ask. Some of them were, but like it just felt like every time Richmond tried to touch a GWS play, it was a free kick to GWS. <laughs> like, for God's sake. Some of the MCG say protected species. Those two words. Well, I, s- for the first quarter. I sent out a tweet saying greater Western umpires. Like, <laughs> God, for God's sakes. There was more whistles going than at Chris, uh, Derek Humphrey Smith's house on Christmas Day. That's, that's how it was going. Oh. But I tell you what, there were, the, the, well, yeah, what we're talking about the umpires. Let's just look at a couple of decisions, though. And once again, I, I bring up the deliberate out of bounds. Boys, help me with players because I, I didn't see who it was. But I think it might have been in the third quarter, of the last quarter, where a Richmond player running up the wing and the ball just came off his hands or off his ankles in the pouring wet, slid forward, so it's hit him as he's trying to defend. Went forward over the line. The umpire paid it deliberate. I can't remember the play you were talking about, but they did. I reckon. I reckon they might have cracked down on that one. This will. This um, call me a conspiracy theorist here, but last week in the wet up on the Gold Coast, there was a blatant one of Daniel Wells, where he just put, he t- took a tackle and then literally just handballed it straight out of bounds in the wet, and they didn't pay it. And it got a lot of airtime about it. And I reckon maybe as a result of that, they maybe said, you know what, we need to be a little bit tighter on it this week, regardless of the conditions. And I reckon there were three or four paid yesterday, a couple against us, a couple uh. fours. And, but, and where, where I have the issue with it, like you, Shebex, is that that's different to what we'd had the 10 weeks before, which was different to what yeah. we'd had for the first six weeks of the season. And it's sort of like, well, where does it actually sit in the whole thing? So... Um, yeah, I reckon you were right there. I reckon there was a couple that might have, in previous weeks, would have just gone, you know what, well, let's just throw it back in. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you what, the other thing that also came out of this weekend for me is that the game against Geelong in a couple of weeks' time is probably going to be our most important game for the season. That's going to be what decides us top for top four, well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Well, it could even decide top two. I mean, we're two points behind Geelong at the moment. If we can beat them in that game then all of a sudden we may just go ahead of them by two points and it could also put us in the top two position. We can, so, we can dream of a home final with, uh, a, with, the, with a double chance. It is, it is possible, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> we're two points behind. So that's, that's why I think yesterday's win was so important because now we've ticked off that goal and it looks like a top four spot is probably now possible for us. And the chance of actually dreaming of a possible top two spot is also very visible because you can actually see it. A win against Geelong. And if we win all the other games that we're meant to win, who knows? And the irony of the situation is there is certainly a possibility that we could still miss the finals altogether oh, if we. But if we look, if we keep playing like, like July, they call Big Boys Month because they because that's where the the, t- the team starts separating out. And we've 
been when I look at the, our results for July, we beat we had we went over to Port Adelaide and beat them. We had the abomination against St Kilda. We responded against Brisbane. We've had a win against you know the 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 the, the big the big uh, flag contenders in GWS, and they you know they didn't help themselves. But we'll get to that. And our last game is this week against uh, Gold Coast up there. And yeah, look, we'll we'll talk about it a bit later. But on face value, we should win that. And they're the danger games for us with the ones we should win. But it just presents that there's so many possibilities still, but I think what I think what we all have the consensus on, we're all reasonably confident now that we're not that we're going to actually be there in September. That it's not we're not going to this system isn't going to fall over. We've had two two bad games for the whole year, really, in the essence of the whole thing. You know what I'm really confident about? I'm really confident, boys, that our good that our best football is as good as anyone else's in the league. I'm just not confident that we can bring out our best football week in and week out. And that's the thing that upsets me the most. If we can start in consistency about our game on a weekly basis, I have no doubt that we can beat any team that we come up against, including Adelaide. But our best is as good as anyone. We just don't do it enough. It still sort of flutters from quarter to quarter sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? As we saw yesterday. And that probably brings us into, I want to talk about the first quarter. And, um, you know, I think we were all probably sitting there about 10 minutes into the game going... Oh geez, we might be we might be in for a spot of bother today if this keeps happening because the ball just kept getting fed in too easily to GWS's forward fifty. We couldn't get our hands on it. Our leaders couldn't do anything. Uh, the, the Phil Davis was just giving Jack Rewalt a bath down in the back in the in the back fifty as soon as we tried to move the ball back. Um, they were looking like they were going to run rampant. It was easy street, and then. The rain started to tumble a little bit, and Toby Green did what Toby Green does, which is ridiculous, stupid actions that are going to cost him and his team. And that was the turning point for me. They were lining up. Steve Johnson had a free kick, was going to line up to put them 28 or 29 points clear with five minutes or whatever it was to go in the first quarter. And then Toby Green runs in, remonstrates, throws a punch, Hits Rance, Rance goes down, free kick reversed, and from there on in, they looked like a completely different team, and as do we. So, I, 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 that's the, I think the frustrating thing is you look at that first quarter and go, what? How, how do we play that badly and yet that well in the same in the same in, within twenty minutes of each other? You can go, Carl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was uh, always allowing you to go first, Shebex. Anyway, no, no, no please. Uh, look, I, honestly, I don't know. It was a monstrosity that first quarter. We just couldn't get our our hands on it clean cleanly. Uh, we we couldn't get inside fifty. I mean, I think in the first five minutes, GWS had six forward entries and we had zero. Like it was, it was an abomination. It was just we just couldn't get the ball clean, and. I don't know what happened, but GWS... Well, I do know what happened. GWS made the most of their opportunities inside 50, and they converted. And then, as you said, Mitchell, it wasn't until uh, the whole green incident happened that the sort of movement of the game changed. The game swayed to the advantage of Richmond. Richmond started to get some momentum building into quarter time. We didn't kick a goal... Uh, but the deficit wasn't so large that we were in, in any real major strife. If we came out pretty strong in the first uh, part of the second quarter, then we we knew that we were in it, and that's exactly what we did. We only sparked us with that goal, uh, and well done, Dan, by and, the way. And away we went. Shebex, yeah. in that first quarter, were you confident at any point that we could actually turn it around in the way we did, or were you sort of dreading, oh, dear, here we go again? Yeah, the only thing that kept me confident, Mitch, was the fact that we were only two or three goals down at any one point. I think we got well, were we three goals down at the end of the quarter, so we were still in with a with a chance. 
if we had have been six or seven goals down, it could have been a totally different story, and uh, it may have been reminiscent yep. of uh, of quarters past. I didn't see the first quarter against St Kilda, as you know. I sort of I mentioned at the time I didn't come into the game until about half time. So I, I would assume that what we saw yesterday was similar to what we saw yeah. against St Kilda. Yeah, in the it first was. Quarter. Yeah, it was. There was just just that sort of you you you, Apathy. you, you knew that the other team was was on. Um, yeah. And I think when you go back to the St Kilda game, the real damage was done in the second quarter because in that St Kilda game, we did start to, a bit like yesterday, there was a little bit of a turning point in the last five minutes where I think in the game St Kilda, we kicked a goal and a couple of behinds and you thought, oh, you know, we're only a couple of goals behind. We can get, well, maybe maybe we can go on with it and, and, and pick it up from here. And in that particular game, the Saints, and I reckon this is where lessons have been learnt, the Saints just just went to another gear and I think kicked 10 goals to nothing in that second quarter, whereas yesterday our leaders started getting their hands on the ball in that second quarter and the rain came and it just helped us, it turned it into a real contested um, you know, a grind of a game which suited us immensely and didn't suit GWS at all and the second quarter in particular from Cochin and Dustin Martin um, was incredible, I think it was 27 disposals or something between them uh, they got their hands dirty, they laid tackles, they had contested ball they kicked goals, they did Everything that was needed of them, um, and we, by half time we were back in front. And I thought, you know what? If GWS keep going like this, I think we we might be okay. And the amazing thing was GWS kicked three goals in that first quarter, and then only kicked another three for the whole game. So that you talk about changing momentums and changing fortunes. I mean, that was the the, the fact that they could score so freely. Uh, up until quarter time, and then you know after that we we really put the clamps down on them, and the, and as I said, the rain I think really helps us in that. And Carl, mm. um, you know, I, I, I the the question I posed to both of you, I posed it to Carl first, I guess, is that at what point are Dustin Martin and Trent Cochin going to get the kudos they deserve in the sense of being one of the AFL's most damaging duos. Everyone keeps talking about Pendlebury and Trelaw, and everyone keeps talking about Dangerfield and Selwood, and that's great, you know, good on them, but. What, what, uh, what, what Trent and what Dustin are doing together this this season is nothing short of remarkable and deserves absolute plaudits. Yeah, in, they're they're an incredible duo, though. So they come together and they just light up the footy field. Like, uh, there's a lot of uh, people that say that Danger Wood, the combination of Dangerfield and Salwood, or Danger Woodward. Now that there's both Salwoods <laughs> there, uh, I mean, look, I I think. They're as good as any other duo that are at other clubs, you know, be it at Collingwood, Geelong, wherever. They're amazing. And I did hear in the call yesterday, Foxwood is called, they actually did acknowledge how important those two are when they work together uh, and the importance of them. Well, we saw it firsthand in that quarter, didn't we? Yeah. Because the, because as soon as they started winning the ball and getting their hands on it, um, we started doing such great things and, and managed to arm wrestle the game back on our on our terms. And yep. I think the other thing was we started really winning, winning the clearances uh, which I think is so crucial, particularly in a game like that where where it is a slog and the ball isn't going to come out freely, yeah. Um, and the ball kicks clear, and, and you, you know Dustin Martin does it with ease. I know that uh, you know there's a lot of other players that uh, deserve credit from yesterday, like Nick Loston, for example, had his best oh, game of the year. Hundred percent agree. Took with eleven that. marks, roving across that yeah, half back, and he was a big reason. In, he was a big part of the, of why we were able to you know st- stop uh, GWS getting such damage. They were infighting by the end of the game. I mean, yeah, John Patton pointing fingers at blokes and. Um, you know, I take the thing I took out of it is I saw a team, with, I saw a talented team beaten by a team with heart. Like that's what I think it was. I think GWS have got all the talent in the world, but I don't think they, 
I don't know. They just they, they do lack, they, they like well they well they well they they do and they. they I don't know. Well, Dylan Dylan Shield played the game injured and then got injured again towards the end of the game. They're stuffed, GWS. I'm going out and they're stuffed. stuffed. I reckon they're shot. They fold under pressure. You put a bit of pressure on them, they uh, they really don't like it. And I think that's one of their one of their biggest problems. Is uh, yeah, they're real front runners. If they got everything going their way, they're a pretty good team. But if you put them under the pump, uh, you know what? I think I go back to your tweet from last week. I think it might have been Mitchell where you tweeted the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, oh. photo and you said, you know, stop, stop trying to be the Harlem Globetrotters. Yep. And I think you're absolutely spot on and we saw evidence of that again yesterday. In the rough, hard, wet weather and windy weather of the MCG that they faced yesterday, just good, hard football won us the match. It wasn't fussy. It wasn't, you know, skillful stuff. It was just good, hard, at-it football. And I think that's what the Tigers do best. And if they can still build their game plan for the rest of the year about being a tough, hard side, in and out, get the ball, go long, that sort of type of football, I think Richmond will keep doing well. I've got to pose the question, guys. What do we think of Dan Rioli's game? He's a star, obviously. I think he looks a bit tired, and by the end of the game, he just looked absolutely spent. Do you think it's worth giving him a rest next week and bringing Stengel or a Bolton in just to fill that small forward role? Gives a couple of blokes that could do with a bit of rest yeah. at the moment too. Dan Rioli looks a little bit like one of those guys. You're right there, Carl. The other person that I think looks like he really is in need of a of a rest is Toby Nankervis. Yeah. He doesn't seem to be moving with any freedom at all. I don't know. And now all of a sudden we lose Griffiths in the first minute. He yeah. Yeah. No, that's shocking. Let's, let's, let, shoulder. Let, yeah, let's mention that just for those who, who haven't heard the, the news. Is that, yeah, Ben Griffiths yesterday in the uh, in the VFL, which was the curtain raiser down at Punt Road in the first year, couple of minutes of the game, he goes off the ground with a dislocated shoulder and it looks like season over, which is such a disappointing thing because, I mean, we spoke about it last week, but he, uh, he'd he played the half in the VFL. He looked a, a class above is the way Damien Hardwick put it yesterday and that's why he was so disappointed that Griffiths does look a class above the VFL when he's out there playing. The idea was to get a full game into him yesterday and then you never know, might have been a chance to play if not this week against Gold Coast, maybe the week after against Hawthorne and really can you know get three or four games under his belt as we push to September. That looks like it isn't happening which, um, you know, on a day like yesterday, I don't think it would have helped too much but it does uh, present the an issue that I, I suppose now is the time to bring it up, is that Soldo... Um, Soldo and Nankervis as a partnership, I don't think works right as it is right now. Yesterday didn't help. The conditions were never conducive to to Ruckman. I mean, uh, you know, Mumford didn't have a great game either for the GWS. But uh, Soldo spent half the game on the bench because he couldn't go forward. Mm. And the issue when you're going to have those two tag ta- uh, tandem Ruckman is that one of them needs to be able to go forward and be be a second tall option. And that's why the ideal model of you have Griffiths in there who plays predominantly forward and swings swings into the ruck when Nankervis either goes forward or goes to the bench just allows that versatility and uh you know i don't think uh i don't think that uh, soldo as it stands I, he's not a forward so when he when when he comes to the bench that's it he ain't going forward which puts which puts more pressure on Nane Curvis to to play more time in the right and yesterday in particular he like that second half he was he played entirely on the on the ball um, kicked a ripping goal though. I mean, I know he yeah. looks tired, but he he was literally nank the tank yesterday, just pushing through those blokes and nailed it from yeah. Yeah, from forty five. That was a cracker. That was a real good, solid goal. Um, which we want to see more of. He actually likes the wet. Like, I, mean, I I think back to the game 
We talk about the wet we against uh, against West Coast in round three. He was really good there. He, he did well there against um, Essendon in the wet on the Saturday night. He was the one who controlled uh, the play in the second half, which and kicked the sealer. And then yesterday, as the game came to a grind, that's what suits him. Unfortunately, uh, it's just it, it, when all the reliance is on him, and he is a grinder. Uh, it's it presents an issue when you do play those you know those Paddy Riders of the world and those guys who just uh, you know unfortunately run his legs off and he does look very tired. Um, Dean uh, Dean Real Dan Real Dan Real for me. <laughs> uh, you know I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of sore bodies at the end of next week because you've had yesterday they're playing in the they played in the rain mm-hmm. they they got a six six day break and they're off to travel to the Gold Coast so. Um, that's going to present maybe some selection issues where they might go, you know what, we do need to sit someone out. Um, while I just think of it, uh, Jay, we spoke last week about Jason Castagna maybe being the one to have a uh, to have a, a sit out and go to the VFL and find some form because he wasn't hitting the scoreboard and he wasn't uh, his pressure acts weren't where, where they need to be. Yesterday he led the Tigers for pressure acts with twenty eight. So yeah, he, and he kicked the sealer. So he's so he responded. I just uh, I suppose that moves us into the second half that we did keep going. Um, on with it. You talk about Jack Rewalt, and you, you thought he had a shocker. I thought his first quarter and a half was reasonably poor. I thought he found a way into the game when it became a, a bit of a slog, and that he did jump at everything. And um, I thought his best act of the day was uh, the, the goal that set up Josh Caddy. The ball comes bouncing into the forward 50. He's out in the lead. He's not going to get to it. Ball sits up. He taps it to the running player beside him who ran through, got it to Dusty, who got it to uh, who got it to Josh Caddy in the goal square, kicked, kicked the goal, put his four goals clear. And on a day where the rain comes pouring down, that was obviously going to be you know a big grinder to be able to kick goals from there. In. But I actually thought, Jack, he competed well, but he just didn't impact the scoreboard the way we really want. Yeah. Um, and you know Phil Davis to be Phil da- if you were to pick a winner of that du- of that duel Phil Davis clearly had his number. Yep. Yeah, no doubt Phil Davis uh, very good on Jack yesterday. You're right, he did come into the game a bit more. I just have a word. You, you spoke about Mumford not having a good game. I don't think I've seen this too often, but uh, meters gained for Shane Mumford minus twenty four. So does that mean he actually <laughs> kicked the ball? Was he went backwards on his couple of moves? Uh, I think it was actually to do with the wind, Shebex. When he kicked the ball, it went backwards. It just flew behind him. Or maybe that's I've never a... seen a player have <laughs> minus metres gain. Did he yeah. rush any behinds where he's kicked it back and tried to <laughs> put through? That's bizarre. <laughs> the 50 metre line. Yeah, oh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's bizarre. That's bizarre. But um, there's a few players at that at GWS who I mean, just... You know, they're front runners who... I know Mike Sheen this morning here on SEN named... Um, he pointed the finger squarely at Toby Green... Steve Johnson, Shane Mumford, and there was one other in there that he said, nah, they're just not Steve playing. Steve Johnson's cooked. He's only getting a game in that team because of the injuries they've got. He is... He, he's pulling out a contest. There was one There was one yesterday where I think he had a, an opportunity for a, a second effort, and he just totally pulled out of it. He is looking really cooked. I, I cannot see Steve Johnson going on in 2018. No. and, and has to be his last year. And as GWS get a few of their players, and this is probably a good not, time. You're right, he might not play finals. He might not play. Like, he, he might not be in their best 22 come finals time because you've got, um, and, and this is probably a good time to acknowledge that Brett Delidio is finally uh, back for GWS. and fi- He played played a half in well, the knee fall on the weekend. Game. And yeah, he's not he's not he's not back in the in the seniors yet. But he played played a half in the kneeful, and you know we Brett did provide us with many many years of highlights and service. And so we do you know wish him the best of luck. We do hope that 
we don't have to play GWS in a final while he's there because we really don't want to come for games. No, you know what? I actually hope we do play GWS <laughs> in a final because we will absolutely flog them. <laughs> They're shot. Mate, I said it earlier. They're shot. They're shot. <laughs> They're shot. Um, the last quarter is was an interesting one from a psychological perspective, I think, for a lot of Richmond supporters out there, in that we were four goals clear the last time we played them, um, that we were 25, 25 points clear, I think, at uh, a quarter time. This time we were 27. Wet as well up in Sydney. No, it wasn't. Not that really. Was a, that, no. no, not really. And that was, that, that was I think, the, the difference in some ways. But, you know, the last quarter, we're, you know, we're, we're four goals clear. We're at four, four and a half goals clear. Uh, Josh Kelly kicks one for GWS in the first two and a half, three minutes of the quarter, and you just sort of go, oh, not again, not again. And then Jack went down and kicked it, skip, you know, put a goal through that then got overturned again by the by the uh, by the video umpire was for hitting the post. And you know what? You look at the replay, probably did. That was unconclusive. But it was unconclusive. It was inconclusive. Sorry. Once again, you couldn't look at that and say 100% that the ball hit the post. No, but, you know, as a deviation of the ball, the player hit the post. Well, as but, but but as Carl established earlier, the, the, the Greater Western umpires were always going to play the ball. As I said, Greater Western umpires. <laughs> so, so I, that... I, I, I've, I've banged on about this all year, guys, and I'll keep going on about it. I don't know how they can overrule a decision. Unless they are one hundred percent confident that they uh, have a rule. Shebex, right? give up, mate. The amount of times we, we talk about this, forget okay. about it. Uh, I feel like I feel like I'm a devotee to motorhead or something. <laughs> Thank you so, much. Well, so we had that point. That put the goals overturned, and then I think it, it, we the, where we did well. We the clock was was, was killed for about 10, yep. ten ten minutes or so, and there was still about ten minutes left in the game. And John Patton, I think, kicked another goal. And who? Uh, jo- Jonathan Patton. Oh, that's right. He was only seen when he kicked that goal. Yeah, that yeah. was that was so all day, and that put it back to about fourteen points. And at that point, there's so much time left in the game, and. You start going, oh, they've got some momentum. They've got some momentum. I was like an old lady in a rocking chair just sitting there rocking back and forth going, oh, not again, not again, not again. But this is where I was so proud of this football club is that I think that they, again, the conditions helped, but they've learnt the lessons of what cooked us early in the year. And we said at the time, we hope that we use this as a learning experience and we learn and find a way to when we're in these positions that we actually uh, find a different way to actually hold on and win the game. And you know what? We were composed. We knew to lock the ball in. We didn't allow them any free running. We didn't allow... As soon as the ball came to ground in the defensive 50, we got the ball... We we, we did well to either mop it up or, or cause a stoppage, cause the contest and keep it going. And then you know what? We kicked the sealer... Um, with five minutes to go from Jason Castagna and, and from there on in, I'm like, I think we've got this. I think we're okay. Yeah. I think we're home. And I don't know if you guys could tell on the television in that last quarter yesterday, but the MCG was was soaked in water. Oh, it was puddles. Mm. Massive puddles all around the G. And uh, it, it was really oppressive conditions. And I think, yeah, our boys just did really well in those in those type of conditions. It wasn't bad at all. Which is fantastic for us. So I think for uh, the big thing I took out of it, um, you know, even for, for oh, getting the, the top four. Sorry, it's just on that also. The other thing too is I really like the way that they played a soccer game yesterday as well. 
Oh, yeah, they weren't afraid. Instead of trying to pick it up, just kick it off the ground, get the ball forward, keep moving the ball forward. Yeah, I've actually heard what they've I've heard what they've been doing, Shebex. They've been hanging out at St Albans with Yvonne Marriage. They've just got some tips there, and it seems to be working for them in the wet. So I've just thought I'd let you know. I had the scoop on that one. Well, that's how beautiful. That's how it set up that that Jack Rewalt set shot, wasn't it? It didn't Shane Edwards booted out of booted off the ground, and it just just hit him straight on the chest. They were they it was a it was a very clever tactic, and you're right in that. Richmond acknowledged the need of to you know change the style or uh, uh, to suit the conditions. Whereas GWS, as you pointed out very early, Shebex was still trying to play their free wheel and uh, you know get the ball free and run and carry and and kick it long kind of game, which just didn't suit the, to the conditions. So I was so pleased in that this was a game we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. There, we, there were three redemption games for the rest of the season where we had to. Um, we had to redeem something of what had happened from from earlier in the year, where we this and this for me was the biggest redemption game of the lot because this was the one that really hurt for me. And not only did we redeem ourselves, we made GWS look like frauds that they are. So I was so pleased. And GWS are now won one out of eleven at the MCG. And if they, you know, I think you might be right, Carl. If they can't overturn that and start winning games of football, granted they don't get much of a chance to play at the G. It's only when they get to play some of the big teams like us. But That was their 12th game, and they've only had one win, and that was against Melbourne about five or six years ago. Yep, when Melbourne were, when Melbourne were very much in the rebuilding yeah. phase. So, um, you know, I think they've they, they, they got a lot of trouble ahead of them. I don't think they'll make the eight. No, no, that's just a, kidding. I won't go to that extent. But they're, I, they're not they're not locks. They're, 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 no they're not, one's a lock, though. No. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just think from what I saw from GWS yesterday, I'm not saying we're a class above, but I, I do think that we certainly were the better side for three quarters of the game. The first quarter, you know, put that aside. The best thing about Richmond this year, and we, we've touched on it earlier in the year with the Fremantle loss, but the way we're able to come back from a deficit, I haven't seen Richmond play football like that in a long time, where we're actually able to overcome a deficit, no matter how much it is. Like in the Frio game, it was above 30 points. And okay, we lost that. We didn't really deserve to win the game, but we overturned the deficit. And almost won that game. And the same goes for this game. We almost looked like we were pretty much shot. Not out of it, but we didn't look like we came to play in that first quarter, but we completely turned it around in that second quarter. There is a there is a, a very strong belief system, I think, that they know that, yeah. they, that if something's not going their way, they go, all right, well, what do we do now? This is what we need to do. And the most part is the leaders get their hands on it um, and, and they go to work. And it's been really pleasing. I mean, it happened in a granted different sort of circumstance, but it happened against Melbourne in round yep. five, was it? And and to 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 you know, Melbourne had a couple of injuries, which meant their rotations were down, which meant we had the ability to run over the top. But there is that continued sort of belief that, don't worry, we're not out of it. We're not out of it. And at the same time, there's probably also that belief from other teams where they go. We're not out of it either against yeah. Richmond, which has been been the case. But um, Dustin Martin, Brownlow. How confident are we? Oh, what, what Patrick Dangerfield's still eligible? I'm uh, thinking that he's a chance. I think I think he's better than Dangerfield. Like I, I haven't seen any amazing stuff from Dangerfield this year. Have you? In actual, yeah. oh, he's been he's been pretty good, Danger. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I know. I don't. I rate Dangerfield. I think he's great. But I think Dusty's got more of a case for Brownlow this year for a Brownlow this Kelly's year than dropped off. Yeah, Kelly has yeah. dropped off. I think. What about Tom Mitchell at Hawthorne? Though he's oh, yeah. consistently well, getting thirty plus. I think you need to weigh it up about which players 
it's uh, danger. Which players, uh, you know, they've got to be sort of in a position to be polling three votes regularly. So they've got to be best on ground generally, which means they've got to be in a winning team. Um, but secondly, have they got anyone in the team who's going to be taking votes off them? And I reckon Dangerfield. There's been enough games of Geelong's where Selwood or the like might have been might have pinched the three True. off him. Whereas with us, I think when we've played well and we've won, as good as Cochin's been, Dusty's clearly been better for the most part, yeah, and he's yeah. more and he's more eye catching to the umpires. So I tend to think when it comes in, I look like yesterday's a prime example. Cochin had a brilliant game as well, but Dusty, um, Dusty, a uh, good point. He he, he had a, a triple double. In, to use NBA terms, and Eddie had uh, you know th- triple tri- uh, three d- double figures for three key stats being um, cl- being uh, disposals in uh, inside fifties and um, and clearances, which apparently I could be wrong. He's done that the last two weeks in a row. Dangerfield's done that twice in his whole career, mm. which 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 I, when I hear that I go, geez, he's he's looking all right, Dusty. So. Um, that, that, I suppose Dusty, if he's if he's eligible, that's the key thing. You know, as we as we discussed last week, he is one little punch away from being ineligible. So he got he got two fines in the one hit um, mm. for two for two separate incidents, which we, we we never thought he'd get any more than that. But it does put him and Cochin on notice, and you'd hate for them both to get involved in some sort of stupid melee in you know somewhere around round twenty three and both throw one and get caught and see you later. You're out. You're out. You're going to miss a final. So something to watch, but. I'm trying to think off the top of my head how many games Dusty would probably have been best on ground in. Um, how would you... at least at least six or seven? I think uh, I worked out the other day. All right. Well, I, I, he was best on against Carlton in round one. He was best on against Collingwood in round two. Um, he wasn't best on against West Coast in round. Actually, he was all right, but he was probably probably wasn't best on. He might have had some competition there. He wasn't great against Brisbane in round four. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, round five against Melbourne, he he probably wasn't. Jack Rewald will get the three there because he kicked six and and dominated. And D- Dusty really only came into the game in the last quarter. That was back when he was yeah. pl- he was playing injured there. Let's let's be honest. Uh, no, it won't feature in the votes against uh, Adelaide. Um, we'll, probably gets one or two votes in the loss to the Western Bulldogs because he was still dominant there. Um, against Fremantle, no. Against GWS, maybe one, although he missed a couple of crucial goals there that, that did hurt us in the end. He was best on against Essendon. He was best on against North Melbourne. Uh, we had the bye. Then, uh, yeah, didn't really... Oh, he, he was all right against Sydney, but they had, uh, they'll had they probably have like someone like uh, like Josh Kennedy who won the game for them. Might get the three... Uh, we got uh, we beat we beat Carlton and he was yeah he probably get the best on there in a very uneventful game, so that's eight I think that's already and then against Port Adelaide he was great he had that's where he broke the record there's nine that's twenty seven votes already and then uh, not against St Kilda and he was best uh, he was best on probably against Richmond and probably against uh, GWS as well so I reckon he might have already had ten well, that's that's that's, that's but that that is being um, that is being somewhat uh, you know, probably gener- generous in some respects, but there is the possibility that he's had ten best on grounds already. So, can I tell you what? It's fortunate that the umpires don't work out the Brownlow Medal or Super Coach votes. Oh, <laughs> of the stats. Let me give you this example. Yeah, have a look at the stats between Callum Ward and Shane Mumford. Ward gets thirty-seven disposals. Mumford twelve. Ward moves the ball four hundred and fifty-six metres positive. Mumford minus twenty-four. Ward's had 16 contested and 17 uncontested possessions to 7 and 7 for Mumford. Uh, and it goes on. Ward gets 119 super coach points. Mumford gets 107. It's ridiculous. How does that happen? 
I suppose they they might they must place too much too high a value on on hitouts because he did win the hitouts, Mumford. That well, yeah, was no doubt he did. He did, but but, geez, in t- but in terms of who influenced the game the most for them, for for them, Callum Ward was clearly the the best on ground. Oh, so without a doubt, he's like a duck in water in in, in those conditions. And Carl, you are right. I will stop banging on about the deliberate out of bounds. <laughs> According to the Herald Sun, I've got no hope. The question in the footy fan survey: How often do umpires get deliberate out of bounds? Decision right. 25.9% say most of the time, 19.9% say hardly ever, 1.5% say never, and 52.7% of the people out there say some of the time. Right. So I'm bugging. I've got no one behind yeah. me at all on that one. Just giving up on umpires in yeah. general. One last, oh. thing on the, one last thing I wanted to just make note of on the game yesterday that did actually, I think, help uh, us was, and they pointed it out during the coverage, was uh, to start the game... Richmond ran did, did ran Dion Prestia with Dylan Shield like he'd done the week before on Zorko, and unfortunately, what it meant was we weren't getting enough of the ball. And in come quarter time, one of the key switches they made was they took Prestia off uh, Shield from a, with a run with perspective and just said, "Just go and get the ball." And it meant that uh, it, it just it meant that we weren't as worried about our opposition as we were about actually hunting the ball ourselves. And that's why I think we started getting first use of everything there as well. So that was brilliant from everyone there. We we now turn our attention Saturday Saturday evening. Is it is it Saturday yeah, night? Saturday, Saturday, night. Saturday, yeah, night. Saturday Metro, night. The Gold Coast. Yeah, there. Metrocon Stadium. You're going up, Shebex, getting a tan. Well, I'm going up there for motor racing uh, up at Ipswich on the weekend. And uh, Saturday night, Ipswich is only like 45 minutes away from Metricon, so I thought uh, I might as well just pop across and watch it. Let's hope. Well, if it, let's hope it doesn't rain like it did last week up there, because that. Well, actually, let's hope it does. Are you? Let's hope it. Let's hope it does. If just <laughs> for the sake of the game, not for you. Just take it. Just take a coach, Ibex. You'll be right. But uh, if it's reduced to a bit of a pool like it was last week, I reckon uh, that'll that'll help us greatly. But GW, uh, so goal. So we've gone from one expansion team to the to the next, and this one on paper looks like. If, if we're able to beat Port Adelaide on the road and if we're able to beat GWS and if we're able to be top four on the ladder, on paper, this looks like a, a game that we just oh, we should just win it and, and go on with it. But yeah. Gold Coast have proved very difficult for us over the years. And, you know, there is still that part of, of, of recent history that, that plays in the back oh. of our heads. You're not concerned? Oh, no, no, sorry. I was just saying, ha, Michael. No, sorry. Oh, come <laughs> on. Oh, <laughs> Carmichael Hunt, still. Oh, never, forget that. never, ever forget that. Never forget. Well, we beat, even last year, which I know we weren't great last year, but we like it was a real arm wrestle at the MCG when we played them there last year. And um, back there, you know, Tom Lynch had a day out, I remember that day, and Dusty had a day out as well and actually got the three, the three Brownlow votes then. But look, Gold Coast look like they'll be still without Stephen May. Um, and Jared Lyons, who were two of their important players, and Gary didn't play on the weekend either. But um, supposedly with hamstring tightness. But if you if you speak to some certain people, they'll tell you that he just doesn't like to travel at the moment, and you know, which probably says more about Gary Ablett and where that whole situation is at. But if you if you believe that, then you, you expect Ablett just come straight back in and plays, which makes a massive difference to them. So. What are your feelings going into this one? Do, is, 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 this, is this a danger game? Is this a game that we shouldn't even fret about, that we just, we just win by, and win well? Or is this, are we up for a genuine contest? The competition's proven this year, Mitchie. You've got to be generally concerned about every team that you come up against. You can't just think there is no easy game in the AFL this year. I think that's been proven so many times around. So I would expect that the boys go up there full of confidence in their ability to beat Gold Coast. 
but also watching the fact that, you know, uh, Gold Coast could come out firing and if they get the first four or five goals and they're fired up, then all of a sudden we're on the back foot and we've got to do the job again. So it's one, it's a game that we should win. Our list is so much better than theirs at this point in time and, and performing so much better at this point in time. But I thought that about St Kilda as well and look what happened in the first half. So it's a tough game. It's, it's one of those games I'd rather come against teams where you know you're going to get a genuine contest and, and know what you're going to get, not from a team that is so unpredictable as the Gold Coast might be at the moment. I'd rather play the uh, you know that team where, at, at Geelong or someone this week knowing that you're going to get a contest against contest right, right off the first bounce. Well, but this is so unpredictable. But you, you'd think we win. We Surely you'd think we win. We have to win. I mean, you look, you're, you're right. Now you look at those games against Carlton and Brisbane in recent weeks where on paper they, they kind of fit this category of where they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're games that you know, on paper they win, they win. And we did find a way to win those, but they weren't, they weren't pretty contests no. by anything. We did, and they actually, the opposition actually did a pretty good means of reducing us down to their level, I think, which is, um, you know, the probably uh, does that say more about us than them? Or who, who knows? It's one, those, it's one of those funny things, though. And, and it's, if you go into the psychology of sport, I mean, you don't want players to go in confident, but you also don't want them going with mixed minds. You want them to be confident in their ability at the ball. So Richmond should go up there and think, yeah, we're going to smash them, no problems. I mean, they should because they're just such a better team than Gold Coast at the moment. But the minute you start thinking, oh, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should just, you know, respect them a little bit more, all of a sudden you start getting mixed feelings in your head. It is, a, for, for a player, and I might sound like I'm talking absolute crap here, but no, for no. a player, and I know it was like, when I, and I never played footy at any high level, but I just know even at local footy, when you go out there and you, you think, oh, you know, we should win this game, but gee whiz, you know, what if, it, and all, all these little what ifs start coming into your head, and you start getting a little bit of trepidation about your game, and you do get a slow start because you, you're sort of a little bit defensive and on the back foot. You want the boys to go in there confident in their ability, but not confident in the result, I suppose, is what I'm, yeah, what I'm thinking. And I think you're right. That's where, that's where Kane Corns' comment came back in a couple of weeks ago, where I think if you get ahead of yourself, if you start thinking, oh, we, you know, we, we, we win and we win well and we win easily, what you actually do is you don't, um, you, f- you get the feeling that you can get the result with putting in less. So therefore, you don't put in as much. So therefore, you are a little bit more on the back foot, and you go, "Oh, we'll get, we'll get the job done. We'll get your, you, you lack that urgency, and then, you know what happens? You get done, and then you get done well, and it's yeah. just no good for anyone. Carl, Carl how do you feel going into this? Also, if you go in with that attitude of, "Yeah, we're going to win well," and if it does actually start happening for you, and you kick the first three or four goals, you're so pumped up because yep. you know you've got the game. You can go on and win by fifteen. Yeah, and that's where it's it's, it's important <laughs> it's that you. Really, yeah, it's a weird one psychologically for players. Yeah, yeah, I agree, Shabex. But I think, you know, we shouldn't treat this like an easy game or that we're going to go up there and it's going to be easy for us. If you look at our record up at Metricon, it's probably not that great, to be perfectly honest. So I think we've only played there once because yeah, we played all the games in Cairns, and then we, which, we, which we won one and lost two. Yeah, I think maybe we've only played Metricon once or twice, and both times we've lost. Uh, it, might, it might actually just be the one time I think. Yeah, I think we. Yeah. Played, I think we played them once. Up, I think we played them the three years in Cairns because which which was it, was it last year that we lost to them or the year before? No, the year before round one yeah. twenty fourteen. I reckon it was. Yeah, yeah, but we lost that game. So uh, look, Gold Coast at home. It's no easy task. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, we shouldn't be going up there like oh, it's going to be a walk in the park. Uh, we should go out there play play a good game of football. I think we get the win definitely, but. Uh, I think we it's probably an opportunity to rest a Rioli and also maybe even give Nankervis a rest and uh, let Soldo ruck and bring Elton back in. Where's Where's Todd Elton at? I, I, know, I know it sounds silly. I said the same thing last week, but I reckon give Todd Elton 
uh, a week in the in the in our firsts against the Gold Coast, uh, and also have Soldo there, have them to alternating ruck. I don't know what it means for the ruck situation well, in the VFL, but just, uh, just looking at the VFL from yesterday, so Richmond went down by two points yeah. to Collingwood. Uh, Elton kicked two, uh, took three marks for the day. Um, Stengel kicked four goals too, so he's probably the one you might give an up opportunity to. Which is interesting because Bolton, Shy Bolton, the week before he kicked, kicked five, five and yeah. he was a star and um, yeah, and Ben, the one who the, the player who will definitely come back in, who Dimmer said yesterday will come back in. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I'll, um, I'm interested to see what sort of impact he has coming straight back in after four weeks out, and that's yeah. Basha Hooley. Yeah, no, he'll be fired up. He'll be fine. Because no, Basha, he's a quality bloke. He's been training hard. For the last few weeks, and he'll come straight back into this team and and have an impact. Who would go? Who would go out? I mean, look, we talked, we spoke about you know maybe giving um uh, maybe giving uh, Rioli or one of those guys a rest, but uh, they're not. That's not a like for like swap. So my question: Who Broad's probably the one who on paper you go has to go. But I actually liked yeah. his game yesterday. I didn't mind. Like he, I didn't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know. Mu- don't know much about him other than he was he was a mature age recruit. So I'm told, and he's got he's got a bit of a Connor Manager sleeve tattoo go, going on. But I was actually yesterday impressed with. Couple of moments he showed where um, he had the composure, took took the mark, um, ga- ga- made made the correct decision. I think that's what often what um, actually this probably brings me to the player who is there. C- correct decision making, I think, is the sign of a mature player, even if they are young that they just know what to do. And Corey Ellis, who came in late for Anthony Miles yesterday, still don't like his decision making. He didn't ha- didn't have much of the ball to be fair. But um, a couple of times he, he, he crumbed, he picked the ball up, and he kicked it long down down straight to a GWS player. I reckon uh, if I look at the stats uh, from yesterday, Corey Ellis had nine disposals, of which six were contested. Uh, yeah, I rated Corey Ellis's game. I think Did really, you? Yeah, I thought he was horrible. I rated the way yeah. he was able to come in and play his role. Like I, I know he didn't do a hell of a lot, but... He when he he did a small a couple of small things a couple yeah. of one percent type things he had he, I just looked at it, I mean he had nine at fifty six percent disposal which means he's turning it which means he's half nearly half his disposals aren't hit and granted uh and he he, he only played sixty three percent of the time on the ground so he was a fair bit on the bench but yeah. I just I think look look he's probably the one who gets squeezed out for um for for uh for Basher, Basher. do you think or do, or do you think Broad it's going to be one of those two. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure which one they're going to. Uh, well, the other thing which we have to be mindful of also is we're only what five weeks now away from the finals, and you, you've got to start wanting to play a settled team for the next few weeks. Yes, heading into the finals, the blokes are getting you know used to each other, and and you can start really betting down a good uh, you know, a good play sheet for these guys. So I, I don't think they're going to want to tinker with it too much. But you've got to bring Basher in. I mean, I have no issues yeah. with that, but I don't think we're going to make too many changes now unless they're necessary changes heading into the finals. Well, we've been reasonably lucky with injury. I think when you look at some teams, like you, you do look at GWS who've been decimated and, um, you know, Geelong have had a couple themselves and Essendon have had a few and a few, a few of these, and, you know, Melbourne have just had half their, their best uh, midfield out. And we've been reasonably lucky in that, that, I mean, the players who we've now got missing are um, Griffiths again, Conker's still out with his foot injury, which is basically, let's call it the season, and Hampson. Is it, in terms of who might be in that best twenty-two, they're probably the ones who are, who are, who are missing, and that's probably it. 
I actually forgot about Sean Hampson for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I think I, well, he just got engaged during the week. Yeah, so congratulations to him too for getting good on him. Megan Gull. Him and Megan are actually they're both they're both wonderful people. Actually, we both had, we had them in last year when uh, when uh, I was producing the breakfast show here, and um, you know you know some people like that. You, you off on air, you know that they're they're. They're, they're great people, and you, but you wonder whether it's a facade. But those two, um, you know, Megan's, uh, you know, a worldwide model and has been one of the biggest names in modelling across the last two decades. No, nah, she's as humble and as you know, decent a human as you'll meet. So, well done to those two. Just to wrap up, my uh, does everyone? This is an interesting question. I just wanted to pose: Does everyone in your family, both of you, are you all Tiger supporters, or have you got yep. certain people? No. So, no, so for you, Carl, yes, Carl. Yep. For you, Shebex, no. I've got three boys yep. and myself who are Richmond and one of my other boys is with Melbourne with his mum. Well, that's interesting you mentioned Melbourne because, I mean, I think I've, we, I think you and I might have the same dilemma because my fiance she's she's a Melbourne supporter and we're now looking at the ladder going, oh, geez, we might be mm. we might be playing each other in a final. <laughs> what do we do? And her, her answer is, oh, I'll just leave you for a week. And because um, she... What we actually have is that we have a wedding up, planned up in, uh, in Port Douglas on grand final eve on the Friday before the grand final. Oh, wow. Oh, no. I've, I've already booked my plane to come back on Friday because I've got to be there for grand final day. Yeah, of course. But my wife and my kids are saying, well, hang on, what about if our team's in the grand final? I've got them booked to come back on the Sunday because they've got to stay for the, for the Friday. They <laughs> yeah. can't get back on the Saturday. Yeah. So, oh, man. It's a dilemma. How would you, how would the dynamic go down in the house, do you think, if you've got when you've got – have you had – because I don't think we've ever really had – from the Melbourne – Melbourne hasn't played Richmond in a final, I don't think. Well, not certainly not in my lifetime. So, um, what would what would what would that do for your family? Would, would, would does it actually? What's that? There'd be some nerves going around the household. There'd be uh, some sufferance. Would, would someone? Would you be? And this is would you be able to take joy for them if they win? My sex life would take a hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you ask. There'll be no well, joy in my household. No, because no, I, 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 I'm a bit more of a diplomat, I guess. I speak to my, my fiancé and I say, look, if Melbourne won, yeah, I'd be shattered as a Richmond supporter, as we all would. But you know what? Come the next week when Melbourne's playing in in the next game, I'd be you know I'd be happy for you and I'd I'd, I'd get on with life. Where oh, she gosh. she goes, nah. No, nah, if Richmond won, I'd that that, that I'd, I'd I'd probably have to go on a holiday for a while, and uh, and she would take no joy in Richmond then going on and potentially winning the flag. None. So and what I, we're seeing here is that she's a realist and you're a suck. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a quick story, right? <laughs> the way our family supported Richmond, my grandfather, he came from Italy when he was sixteen. The first thing he did when he got off the boat and went to where he was going to live was go to Punt Road. That's what he did, and he watched a game of football with Richmond playing. So that's how the whole Bianco family decided to support Richmond. So there's a little fun fact about to how how long I've been following Richmond for. Basically, I was born into Richmond. I reckon there's be a lot of stories about that if you go back those generations like that, where you know how did your family become that sort of supporter, and it turns out it was something just like that. Quick little one just before we wrap up, just to finish off. Well done to the 33,000 supporters who turned up in the horrible conditions yesterday at the MCG because Collingwood fans over the road at Eddie had with a nice roof over their head with clear conditions, only 22,000 turned up for that. So mm-hmm. we, so the fact that 11,000 more turned up to play uh, a team that had but has basically no Victorian support and no uh, no dry conditions at all to suit it, that it was bucketing down and they, they braved the conditions. Well done. Round of applause to you. And 
I think that you know it just goes to show the confidence that the whole Tiger Support Army has in this team. Why is that? A chance to play finals, Collingwood Arms. Yeah, no, <laughs> so they've jumped off the boat. That's true. They're straight out. Uh, that was supporters. a good win for them. But but anyway, uh, thank you, Carl. Thank you. Thank you, Shebex. Thank you, boys. Now I won't be with you next week because I'm actually going to turn into a Melbourne supporter next week. I've got a week up in the snow. Oh. <laughs> So I'll be on a bus heading up to Mount Hotham on Monday morning. So unfortunately, I won't get a chance to uh, to catch you guys. But uh, I'll look forward to being back the week after. That's okay, mate. You enjoy that. Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Go Tigers! Lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How.